Welcome to the Aikidojo podcast. I am David Ito, Chief Instructor of the Aikido Center of Los Angeles. And with me is... Bill D'Angelo, Aikido Center of Los Angeles, Fourth Dawn Aikido. Good morning, Bill. Good morning, Sensei. How are you? I'm doing well. It's a nice, quiet morning here. Yeah. We have, meant... we have a good sound background for today's recording. Yeah. Which is nice. So uh, what should we talk about today? Well, I think we talked offline about um, some things that are happening and that uh, we thought this would be a really good opportunity to talk about uh, honoring one's teacher slash remembering one's teacher because they're kind of the same. They're similar. But in our particular case, we have our uh, memorial seminar. Uh, yeah, the yeah, so Furi Sensei's memorial is coming up. It it will be his 16th year in America and 17 in Japanese. So we say in Japanese, when you, the day you die, it's it becomes one is one year. Right. So this is 17 for Furu Sensei. Japanese, That's by Japanese incredible. counting. So, yeah. Well, even 16, right? Like you think, man, that went by painfully fast. Right. Well, you know what seems to why really fast was the last three years, pandemic. Yeah. To me, it feels like that was in an accelerated time warp. But this this overall stretch from when Furu Sensei passed away, and we can talk about it, but it's like, to imagine that that's 16 years. So this is my 30th year in Aikido. What year is it for you this year? Uh, 33. 33. So it's more than half for me that Furu Sensei has been passed away, and about halfway for you in your training, which is seems incredible because I have these indelible memories of Furu Sensei, and it's hard to believe now that it's 50% of my time has been without him. Yeah, if you, wow, if you think about it like that, yeah, 50% of the time it, we we have been without Furu Sensei. Which seems kind of scary. I mean, you're a great teacher, we have a really good school, but when you think of like your first teacher, it's almost like a father. And for him to be gone... Like, we have to persevere every day. But when you think about it like this, when we're talking about it, 16 slash 17 years is a very long time. Yeah, and then you, you get to this place where he is, in your mind, is been dead, is more dead than alive. Right, right. Which is weird. Like, when you're a kid, or when you're, you know, he's alive, he's alive. But now that he's dead, you can't think of him as anything but dead. Yeah, yeah. It's... It's funny, though, as I still have a, my strongest memory of Furu Sensei was my last memory of Furu Sensei. So we had gone, we had had practice, you know, the weekend practice. I, I don't know if it was an intensive weekend, but uh, it was Aikido and Iaido on Saturday, Aikido and Iaido on Sunday. And it was, what was the date that he passed away, Sensei? Uh, the 6th. The 6th. So um, we um, went for lunch on like a Tuesday or a Wednesday uh, in Larchmont. In, um, we went to an Italian restaurant for lunch, but they had a fair. They had like a farmer's market. Mm -hmm. And this is what I remember. I remember how Furu Sensei, I mean, he was, first of all, he, when we were at lunch and enjoying himself, his, his mood was very good that couple days before. But I remember we were buying, or he was buying, some food at the farmer's market. And I, and I still am, it's an indelible memory of him grabbing the fruit and testing it to see if it was ripe or good. And he was very, very careful, but it was, it was like almost like subliminal. Like he's kind of like testing the fruit, putting one in the bag, putting one back. And I thought, like, that sensitivity for something so simple and that's like the most, maybe because it's the last memory I have of him, but it's also the most like vivid. How much before he died was that day? I think it was a couple of days. Wow. Yeah. It was like, because for some reason, because I mean, in those days I used to come to class almost every day. For some reason I was there on the weekend and then I wasn't there the night he passed away. I might've been working uh, and I remember getting the call, but I know that that lunch that we had was one or two days before he passed away. So it was right near the end. Yeah, and then you have this crazy thing where this there's a moment when he was alive, and in a flash, yeah. there's a moment where he's no longer alive anymore. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I remember getting the call. I forget who called me. They're like, you have to get down to County USC Hospital. And I don't think I'd ever been there before. Yeah. So that was really hard. I remember there were a bunch of us at the at the hospital waiting to see him. He'd already passed away. Um, and that was... Interestingly, it was my last memory of him. 
did it while he was in person, but it's not the one that's most vivid to me. For me, it was him joyously enjoying a lunch. It was a sunny day. We were just wandering through the farmer's market. But like you said, like there's this dividing line when someone in your life passes away, and then that, that becomes a bright line marker. Yeah, and then that person's just always dead to you. Yeah. You know, like his, the very last, the, the day before he died was my 17th year in Aikido. Wow. And then we went to dinner and, you know, he used to do these long-winded dinners. So mm-hmm. we had sure. Kore- Korean barbecue first <laughs> and then we went and had Korean dumplings. And the whole time during Korean dumplings, I'm like, I got to go home. I right. got to go home. And and when, while we were having Korean dumplings, his doctor called him like at eight o'clock oh at night God. and said, you need to come in for tests on your heart. And then we're like, oh, you, you better do that. Oh, man. I didn't remember that. And then we went to um, – no, from there, he wanted to go to Korean shaved ice. <laughs> and I was like, no. I'm done. No. It's already like 11 o'clock at night. We got to go home. No. No. Do you remember the Korean restaurant that you went to? Chosungalbi. Cho- it was Chosungalbi. And then we went – and then he – all the way home, he was like, "Let's stop and get chips. Let's stop and get this. Yeah. Let me stop. Let's stop and get ice cream." And I was like, "No." Yeah, but he didn't want no. the time to end. No, he did not want it to end. Yeah, you know, and it was me, me, uh, Jacob, Mark, T, and Sensei. Did you have any premonition of what was about to happen? There was no, no like weird feeling or no. concern. And then, and then the next, and then that night, I I, I had insomnia. I couldn't go to sleep. And then I, so I went to class and I never go to class on Tuesdays. It was a Tuesday. And then so I went to class. I had spent the day like with the, the B people at Sensei's house. Right. So I came to class. Um, Sensei would, had lunch with Jacob. And then so we're- That Tuesday. That Tuesday. Okay. You know, we're, we're, we're taking, Mark, I think Mark T's teaching the class. And then Sensei calls me and just starts talking to me. So I sit down and Seiza, right. he's sitting to my right. We're talking. And then he said, James Doyle's sitting down talking to us too. And Sensei says, like, I go, oh, the B guy's going to be like a thousand bucks. Or it was some huge amount of money right. because it was in the wall. And there was a beehive in the wall? Yeah. And oh my God. No one lived there. And so it was, it had spread really far. So it was like, I want to say it was like a thousand dollars. And so I was like telling Sensei, yeah, it's going to be a thousand bucks and all this stuff. And, he laughed it off, right? Well, you know, he was just complaining. And then he said, Jacob, you should just um, go over there and kill the bees and then you'll get showed on. <laughs> and then Jacob said, if I go and kill those bees, no, he said, go, go there with a bokken and kill the bees and you'll get showed on. <laughs> and then Jacob said, if I go there and kill the bees, I'm going to get need on. <laughs> and then since he started laughing, you like, ha, 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 ha. And then he just fell over. <sighs> Right, he fell over right next to me, and I was kind of like, "It wasn't that funny of a joke." Right, and right. He, and then he was kind of laying there chuckling while he was, and then I was like, "Oh, oh, oh, oh something's wrong." Yeah, and then he just stopped chuckling and like, "Oh," and then I started to um, do CPR, CPR on him. Yeah. And I think I did CPR on him for nine minutes while the ambulance came. Yeah, and then the and then the the fireman came in. They they hooked him up to this machine. Like what? Oh, threw him on the stretcher. Gone. He was gone, and then they yanked. They took him out, and then as the ambulance is driving away, the guy in the ambulance is pushing on the ceiling and doing um, chest compressions on Ceci as as they're driving away. Oh, man. But I guess they said like he was already dead. Yeah. Yeah. And so wow. then, I mean, there was just a huge, huge blur, st- stress blur that you just having to do all this stuff, call these people, um, you know, get everybody to the hospital, you know, and, and see Sensei off. And so I think there's maybe 10 or 20 people there. Yeah, I can't there even remember. A few. There were quite a few people at the hospital. I remember it was, it was pretty traumatic. Like I was not, like I always worried something bad would happen to him. I was always concerned. I think we all were always really concerned. Um, but it, when I got <clears> the call, it didn't seem real. And, and, you know, I got lost when I went to the hospital because I had never been there before. So I'm, like, wandering around, can't find the place where we went to see him. Um, but it, it was like, you know, people talk about, like, shell shock. It, to me, 
I, I was like numb when I was at the hospital. I was like, I can't, it's like you, you, you anticipated something you never wanted to have happen, and then it happens. Yeah. And then there you are, and you're just, you're, you're trying to get a good memory. You're trying to see him and have a positive experience. Like, I think for all of us, we were, we were significantly adult at that time. And so, you know, you had to be kind of mature in the way that you handle it. But I, I remember, um, shock that was like yeah the this, feeling that i had was was like really like no this can't um and we were in the process of also moving the dojo so we had a lot of there was a lot of flux it was almost like the energy of the universe was for all of us was in flux because we lost free sensei we had to change the dojo space which was difficult and in a long process and um it uh yeah i just so this just kind of brings us up to the question of like today's topic, remembering for sensei, but remembering one's teacher. What we have a tradition here which follows a cultural tradition. What is like as, as the teacher? How do you see the the formality of remembering for sensei and remembering our teachers, not just for sensei, but second doshu and o sensei? Well, I mean, for sensei was a Zen Buddhist priest, so you know that he's used to conducting um, memorial services. So. Right. He oh, we, we this dojo always um, has a memorial service for Osensei and Second Doshu, right? And so now we we always have one for Free Sensei as well. And the, well, I mean, in Japanese cultures, there's a lot about remembering. Okay, right? Keiko is a training practice, but means means remember the past. Right, right. Onko Chishin means you know, learn something new by remembering the past. But for those who aren't members in our dojo and maybe have not done these types of memorials, like what, what, like, how, what is the memorial like? What, what, what technically and physically goes into the memorial service and process? Can you like, like explain, like for those of us who are members of our dojo, they've been to dozens of these because there's three a year. But what is the structure, the formal structure of a, um, a remembrance for us? I don't really know. Because we just follow Furu-sensei's method. So for us, we bring out a Zen Buddhist priest. He reads the Heart Sutra. You know, we set up a memorial. A Zen Buddhist priest comes out. He reads the Heart Sutra. We give incense. And then the priest says something. And then we don't odoki, which is take them to lunch. But sometimes we do. Right, right. So there's a, there's a, there's a process that we learned from Furu-sensei, which in a sense we're remembering him by the way we do the remembrances. Yeah, and then for instance, it does it in a very specific way. You know, he smooths the, the incense burners a specific way that when I've done my research, I've not found anyone who does it that way. Interesting. Not, not even... I mean, it, they're flat or is there circles? No, or? You, you flatten this the, 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 the incense burner. And to my knowledge, I'm the only one that he would allow to do that back in the day. And I just thought, oh my God, I want to do this. And then he would yell at me the whole time. Yeah. You know, like one time I, you have to dig out all the dead incense. And take that, it out. And then I didn't, I was like, oh, I was a chopstick. So I just grabbed chopsticks out of the trash. Oh, oh no. my God. He flipped oh, out no. on me. And I was like, what? It's just an incense burner. No, it's, that's the trash. It's not pure. You, know, you go, oh, sorry, sorry about that. And then you smooth this incense burner and then you, you burn a piece of charcoal in the middle. Right. Which I don't know if that's Zen Buddhist or whatever, but we buy these um, Turkish charcoals or something like that. And then you, you have to light them 15 minutes before the priest gets there. And then you right. want to, you have to time it to where it doesn't extinguish while he's while talking. You're doing it, yeah. You know, and then you can't do it too late because then it doesn't light, it's not light, uh, lit enough. But yeah, like, I mean, and we we change it all the, all the time. You know, you're supposed to put, um, sake or or alcohol as a uh, gift as a gift, but you can put any gift you want. And then right. Fru Sensei always did mums, so we always do mums. But even today, I don't really care what this the student gets. You know, it used to be real anal about like it's got to be mums, right. it's got to be this. Color. Yeah, but I I kind of like uh, you know, when the uh, Suzuki Sensei from the uh, Shinto Church was alive. One time I brought him out here and I asked him like, "Hey, is everything correct? You know, are are the kamidanas, the, the spirit 
spirit temple things, spirit houses on top of the Tokonoma? Are they correct? Is this correct? Is that correct? And he just like looked around. I go, what about this? What about that? He just kept looking around. I go, how about this? And he just said, everything is fine. Interesting. And I was like, no, but you don't understand. Is this, is this in the right direction? Is it the right height? I want to know. Like, it's fine. And he's like, it's fine. He said, the fact that you remember is all that is, is important. So in the process, like when we, like if we have like the O Sensei Memorial or Second Dosho or even Free Sensei, as you said, the priest comes in, reads from the heart, the, is it Lotus or the heart? Heart Sutra. Heart Sutra. Reads from the Heart Sutra and then they have us go offer incense. So each student walks up one at a time, does the incense. And then at the end, usually the um, Kojima Sensei or whoever the, the Zen priest is, will sometimes give like a little bit of a sermon. Yeah, like a Zen talk. Or Zen talk. Do you have any Zen talks that you that stand out the most for you? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Uh, one year he gave out this this um, little piece of paper. Uh, oh, I remember that. But I, I can't remember exactly right now what it says, but it was some very poignant life rules. Right. You know, but I mean. So it's interesting, you know, when I think of like memorials, like I think of my parents, my grandparents. Um in non-Japanese culture, at least like a Western American culture, we don't tend to remember the death day. Um, in, like, like I, I mean, we have a very strong family, but we, like my sister and I, we don't have something on like June 9th when my dad passed away or when my mom passed away on February 12th. Um, it's, it's a memorial, but it's more of a memorial of the person's life and their their influence on the students that are there to to show respect. Well, but that's that's the Western thing. You remember their birthday, right? Right. You remember the birthday, correct? And and Japanese, formerly in Japan, maybe it's changing a lot. Is that on January first, everybody, everybody has turns a birthday, right? one or one 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 year old one year older. So everyone shares the same birthday. So your birthday is not special, right? But the day you die is special to you, and then that's why they remember that day. But if you think about it, when you remember someone's birthday, you remember the day of their birth, which celebrates the fact that nothing has happened yet in their life. Interesting. That when you celebrate someone's passing, you celebrate all the things that they've accomplished. Right, their entire their life. life. Yeah. So it's just, I mean, I think it's just a cultural thing or something like that. But the reason that's the reason why Japanese don't really celebrate birthdays because everybody gets goes all at the same time in January. Yeah, January first, everybody gets a year older. That's it's 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 very. I I think that you know when I think back on all the memorials, all the ones we've been to, it also helps you um, recognize passage of time in your own life because you do it once a year for each teacher. And, you know, you have O-sensei and then Sekundoshu and then Furu-sensei. But there's very much like, like it's a milestone of your own life because it's something that you do. You take the energy to do it and you do it every year unless you're traveling or you're gone. Otherwise, most of the students do come to the memorials. But that's, that's that hard part. Like you have to make time to do these memorials. Right. And, that, you know, I have no idea – how this dojo is moderately successful. But I, th I think it has something to do with this desire or idea of remembering. Right. That there's a power in remembering, you know, like I don't even remember my mom's passing. As vividly. I mean, like I don't do anything to mark it. Right. And I do all this stuff for my own teacher, second doshu, o sensei. Maybe that makes me a, a bad son or something like that. But like you said, as Westerners, we don't really do that. Yeah. It's kind of outside the box. But there's this power in remembering. You know, that's something usually when you talk about the power of remembering, one of the things that always sticks in my mind is is you know, we try to encourage people that were his students to keep training and keep coming and being able to hand down that lineage. But um one of the things that I think for instance it did that was is connected to this idea of memory, as you're saying, train Keiko is training is that he had a very conservative, basic style of Aikido. Effective, but very traditional. And he always made the point that one should always study a certain way. Uh, and and then you, as the, as the chief instructor now, do a very similar thing. I mean, obviously there's some things you do a little bit differently, but it's still we're still in this sort of traditional Furiya Sensei dojo 
even though it's clearly your dojo. There's this power, like I said, power in remembering. Right. Right. Like if you, 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 I don't, I can't really explain it. Like when you remember, you, you, you can activate the power of all these people that are standing behind you. Right. Fru sensei, second doshu, o sensei, you know. And all the senior teachers. And all those, those people that there's this power that. If you don't, like most people, Japanese people today don't do it as much anymore. Right. Everything is squashed into obon, and then you 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 do it all. Then you pay a little bit of money to remember that person. And then they make a they make a lantern for them, and then they burn the lantern, right? So you, everybody, o sensei, o sensei, second sensei would all be just remembered during obon, right? But like our dojo is one of the few. If if I don't know if any other dojos do that, to where we have a singular focused memorial service for, for each teacher each teacher yeah to revere that person because there's this power in remembering there's this reverence in remembering like if you if someone helped you how how many years would you remember them one year two years three years four hopefully years? forever well but i mean how how many times how would you mark the occasion every year and then how many years is enough five years one year 14 years Hey, this is taking up too much time. Right. Cost too much money. We don't make any money off doing it. Right. But I mean, it's interesting. Like if you look, if you look, especially this last year and yes, last year, this year and last year, um, we often get a significant number of students that aren't currently training that still come back for the memorials, which I think is really amazing. Well, it's, it, it is a testament to Fruit Sensei that these people still come back. Right. You know, because the, the ones that are coming back aren't my students. Right. They're originally Peru Sensei students. But that that's the thing is that in order for you to to utilize the knowledge that you gain from training with your teacher, you have to be in the game. Right. So right. the least you can do is come once a year. Right. Because it's really interesting. The people that train with us way back in the day that stopped training, they turn into horrible people. One person I saw was disbarred. One person I saw was in jail. No, two lawyers I saw were disbarred. Jeez. And one person's in jail because of the continuity of training. Yeah, because training that this training keeps you on the straight and narrow. Yeah. And so for this person who doesn't remember their teacher, how quickly? There's no boundaries. Well, no, not that there's no boundaries. How quickly will you forget the teachings when you don't remember the teacher? Right. It's a good point. It's a very good point. Like there's this uh, uh, part in uh, Jiro Dreams of Sushi where they're talking to, you know, um, one of Jiro's former students that when in his sushi bar style is that once you become a certain level, he kicks you out. Right, you have to leave. And he says, never come back. You're on your own. Right. And this one, they interviewed one of the students, one of the former disciples, and he said that he ne- still never sleeps with his feet in his teacher's direction. Oh, wow. And you go, wow, you know, that type of thing. But, you know, how how many, how, much, how many times, how many, how reverent will you be in 14, 15, 16, 20 years? You, oh, do you know what my goal is? No, what? My goal, and this is weird, is to live to be 100 years old. Okay. Because when I'm 100 years old, uh, Osensei, we'll be able, we will have been able to celebrate Osensei's hundredth passing. Wow, the hundred wow. year anniversary. That's my goal to live long enough to do that. To to so that no one else would be doing that. Right. No one will have you know fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, twenty two, twenty eight, forty eight, you know, one hundred. Right. You know, not not because it's a competition or anything like that, but to to it's a testament. It's a milestone. It's a testament yeah. to your, to how strongly you remember your teachers. You know, it's like today, we go, oh, yeah, that O-sensei guy. Or some people go, oh, Saito-sensei was the real O-sensei. You think, okay, I mean, that's up to you, right? right? But like to remember, right? And then some of these people have these convoluted stories about their teachers. Like they only see the the surface, so they can't see anything behind the teacher, right? Right. You have to be able to see every aspect of the teacher, 
for it to I mean, really we be your t-shirt. Sensei, I think about it. Like we were lucky, but it didn't feel lucky a lot of the time at the at the moment it was happening. But for you, Sensei, because he wasn't married, didn't have any children, um, in a sense, we were all like his family. And um, I remember, I mean, you and I have spoken about this off offline many times about how you know you'd you'd be finishing class and he's like, "Who's going to dinner?" with me and like half the time you've got work to do or you've got something to do with your own family and so you end up going and then you're there like earlier story today you're there you know multiple restaurants multiple places we all have those memories of sensei um but if he hadn't been that it seemed difficult many of the times but in a in a way he was being extra generous as a teacher by sharing all that extra time and now that's like you, it's like being in a bank. Like that's money in the bank. It's invested capital for you as a student and for you as a teacher to to have all that experience. I don't have it. I don't have it. You know why? Because I thought Fruit Sensei hated me mm. up until the moment, even that when he died, and yeah. that every every day, every night he would say, "Oh, do you want to have dinner?" I would say no. Right. And then I go, "Do you want me to pick you up dinner?" And then I had my network that I could activate and pick up his dinner because you'd have to drive in Little Tokyo, right. find parking, grab his food, and then take Bring it to it him. Yeah. And like I would always tell him no because I thought he hated me. I mean, I look back now and I go, man, I wish I would have went to dinner with him. But I thought, again, like I thought he hated me. And like, why would you go to dinner with this person who hates you and have to sit there and, and feel that? Yeah. You know, and then. But it wasn't true, though. I, he didn't hate you. We don't know that. I don't think he did. Well, it would of course, be not- you're right. No one knows for sure what another person thinks, but um, I, mean, I like to think that he did not. Yeah, I just misunderstood him. But but the thing is that I would say, oh, let me go pick you up dinner, and then right. I would go buy him dinner and drop it, off. drop it off, and run out of there because because the thing is, that I was a personal trainer. Yeah, my you first to be up early. My first appointment was five a.m. Yeah, you can't be out late, and so. I didn't want to stay out all night long with Sensei going to Korean barbecue, Korean dumplings, Korean shaved ice, coffee, <laughs> and then and then stop by Seven Eleven and pick up groceries. And you're like, oh, dude, like it's like two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, you know. But like, I feel bad. And like, in the same sense, Christmas, Thanksgiving, he would make me come have uh, a meal with him, and I always like, like, okay, I'll do lunch. Uh, I'll do you early negotiate with him. Yeah, I wouldn't do you know because I had to go to my own family's thing, right, right. and I feel bad now that I just run out the door, you yeah. know, and that like one one year we were going to go to the pantry and it was closed, and then Sensei called me and he goes, "Oh, it's closed." I go, "Well, it's too bad. <laughs> Sorry. All right, have a good Christmas. Bye." Oh no! Again, because I didn't want to spend time with him because he, I thought he hated me. Yeah. And then I thought going to spend time with him, he was just going to yell at me the whole time. Yeah, and he, he yelled at all of us. Yeah, I mean that was definitely something that he did. But uh, it's it's interesting because I think about when you talk about mem- remembering our teacher. Like one of the things that pops in my mind is that he made all these videos, and most of us that were his students at some point got from you or someone else all the videos. Now they're available on the cloud, but. I remember, you know, we'd have them on your uh, thumb drive or on your laptop. And it's, it's uh, now we have a lot of content. You have a lot of content on the dojo. But when he was around, there was no social media. So those videos had a lot of currency because there wasn't, there really was no other way to like, if, if he, once he passed away, if you wanted to see his Aikido, you had to go to the video. You had to go to the tape. Yeah. And then the tapes were... 12 years old when he yeah, died. Yeah. Right. So some of those things he doesn't even do it that way anymore. Right. You know, but like that's the hard part. If people if people don't remember their their teachers, their friends, their parents and all these things, you know, they what they say, you know, those who don't don't remember the history are doomed to repeat it. Yeah, and so you you don't want to we are all standing on the shoulder of giants. And so you want to remember Sensei I want to remember Sensei because he he really did change my life. You know, now that I look back all these years, 33 years later, he really did change my life. And right. like, I do this job not for the pay because the pay is, zero. you know, zero dollars. But I do it because I, 
I had this conversation with um, a, a, one of the, a teacher this morning over breakfast, which is can can everybody be redeemed? Mm. And I I truly think so. Yeah, it's not impossible. It's just imp- improbable. It's difficult. It's difficult. But like I really hold in my heart, I hold out hope. There are people that were formerly of this dojo. I every day I go, man, I wish that person would come back. Right. Man, I wish that person would would let it go. Right. But like it's it's just improbable. Right. right? But Unlikely like, to happen, but it could. But I but I hold out and you know, I used to in, in acupuncture school, they used to always say this this statement which I would roll my eyes at, which is um I'm a holding space for you, Bill. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm creating the space for healing, and I'd be like, "What? What the, what hell? the hell does that mean?" Right. But today I go, "Oh, yeah, it's just the hope. I hold out hope that my friends from the old days will come back and let it go. I hold out hope that my students that left in a huff will come back right. and change. At some point. Because it's not me. I'm not. I'm not changing them. It's the training which changes them. But I hope that it would change them so that they could have a more healthy fruitful happy successful happy life right that they don't have seemingly don't have (laughs) like one student one former student he said gritting his teeth i'm having the best life ever and i was like oh that doesn't sound like it but okay i mean that's what you need to tell yourself but like that's the thing and so i really am holding space for you to to improve I'm trying to create the space for others to improve. So, I mean, one of the things that pops to my mind as you're you're walking us through that is that um, remembering is is also a form of gratitude. I didn't, I have not thought about it like that, but yeah, yeah. Like to me, it feels very much like when you think about all the things, like I know everyone who's been in our dojo has had ups and downs in their life, but I know that in some of the worst experiences that I had, um, sometimes Free Sensei, sometimes you have have done things that other people might have been like, I don't know, that doesn't really mean anything. But for for me, it like completely changed my life. And 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 I think that you know one of the things I think about when I keep training is um, there's no end because you can never show enough gratitude. People do things for you. They 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 help you get through the hardest times in your life. And um, it's. You know, we're very lucky. I mean, I, I there's like you're you used to be a trainer, but think about this: like most people don't think of like going to the gym as something that they have a lot of gratitude about. I mean, very some gyms have community, but most of them, it's not really like that. But what we have here is it's a real community, and everyone does things for other people, uh, including the teachers. Really lay it out for the students, and I think that um, at least from my perspective. I think, you know, whenever I'm like, oh, I don't think I'm going to make it a training, I'm like, oh, but, you know, my teacher did this for me or my teacher did that. And then you think, I've got to be respectful and I've got to be full of gratitude. Um, and it's a it's a happy thing. It's not like it's not like it's a burden, but it's it helps me energize um, for practice. Well, that's and that is a very good point that. Keiko to remember the past, right? Stuff like that. You think if you if you if you frame it in that way, that remembering is a form of gratitude. Like yeah. that's where the power lies. Our, our all the power. If you want to become immensely powerful, you just need two things: gratitude and appreciation. And if you can show gratitude by remembering your teacher, you can gain that power right. from those lessons. Absolutely. Absolutely. That is completely true. But if you don't remember, you're apt to forget the lessons. I mean, it's very similar to the structure of friendship where, you know, when I think of like friendship, like having grown up in a very large family but with a lot of close friends, like two things I, I think of when it comes to me for friendship. One is loyalty and the second one is gratitude. And those are very similar to the structure one has in a in a in a really well functioning dojo with with caring dedicated teachers and hardworking students is this sense of loyalty uh, and sense of gratitude and I think like of all the memorials that we do that's that's it's like a it's a restatement of your loyalty to those teachers who took the time and energy 
to be available to teach you. Well, yeah. And then how many, and how many years would it, is it okay to not remember five, 15, 50, 42? I don't know. But yeah. One. <laughs> that's the hard part. Like when Fru Sensei passed away, there were all these people that held memorial services at their schools, homes and whatnot. Right. For the first time. For the For first the, time. One, one year, first time. Two years, a few. Three years, five years. Today, just two. Aikido Center Los Angeles, Kodokai Dojo. Right. But all these people that claim Free Sensei as their teacher, they don't even do it anymore. Right. And then there's there's a you lose your power. You lose your the the that extra you know connection to the universe because you you don't remember anymore. Right. Have you noticed I was thinking about this. I had two thoughts. One was, it's a really good, maybe a good um, way for us to divert and talk a little bit about the seminar that's coming up. But um, I was, I had my list of questions I wanted to ask you on this topic was: Have you noticed anything change or be different in the way we do memorials or the way you experience the memorial since we've been doing them since for since they passed away? Has there been? Have you changed the way you do it? Changed the way you think about it? Uh, well, I changed the way I do them because Free Sensei did all the memorials out of uh, our our little um, Butsudan room. Mm-hmm. But then I changed the Butsudan room to be the Free, Free Sensei memorial. Right. So that space is his. So when we have a memorial service, we use that space for him. Right. And then Second Doshu and Osensei are done at the Tokonoma now. Okay. So that Free Sensei can have his, it, it's exclusively for him. So I have a question on that. So um, when when you enter our dojo and you bow to the showman wall, there are they're the, they're the three gold tablets. For people who aren't familiar with what those are, what what is the tradition behind the memorial tablets and why are they in gold and the way they're they're done? Is there uh, some specifics behind that or are we just following what Free Sensei did? We, honestly, I you're just fo- following what Free Sensei did. The middle one is Osensei. So it's on a little bit of a riser, so it could because he should be. He's the first teacher. He's held a higher esteem, and then on one side is second doshu, and on the other side is Furu Sensei, and then they're they're called Ehi memorial tablets, and the front has their Buddhist name, and okay. the and then the back is black, so the front is gold with blue lettering, and the back is black with gold lettering, and the back has their given names. And their day, the day they passed away. The, okay. I think their birthdays and maybe the day they passed away. Okay. And like you're not supposed to touch them with your bare hands. So you always have to touch Work them with gloves. a cloth. Yeah. You know. And how do I know that? Well, the priest never touched it with his hands. Right. You know. And like when I was a little kid, my mom used to always put a leaf in her lips so she wouldn't breathe into really? that space. But wow. we don't do that crazy stuff. Wow. But you know, like here – Upstairs in, in the office, Furu Sensei has another shrine. Right. And then we always put out an offering, uh, Osonae, for him. You to know, remember when, him. To remember him. So Mike brings donuts. Whenever my kids makes make a, a dessert, I always bring one. A little piece. Mar- yeah. Whenever Maria makes something, she she brings. So, uh, again, you're, it's remembering your teacher. Right. Continual remembrance. Yeah. That, that remembrance, that giving thanks so that you can – you can utilize that spiritual capital that Free Sensei talked about right. in your own life. But if you forget... You don't have access to it anymore. You don't come here. You, I, honestly, it, it falls out of your mind, and then here you are getting um, disbarred or going to jail. Do you think that there's... And maybe the answer to this is no, but I'm just curious. Have you, over the 15 years noticed any generational changes in the way people remember so like are younger people today less observant or is that not, you know not a fair statement or is it is there anything that you notice about who is doing the remembering for in for for aikido yeah or, for aikido well for our teachers yeah i i really think people don't care really i mean it, on Osensei's birthday and Osensei's passing, you know, people are throwing up pictures, you know, remembering Osensei today and all this stuff. And then you read five posts later and they're like, Osensei was a fascist. And you're like, okay. I mean, <laughs> you know, and that though is really, it's really interesting when you think about this idea of the teacher, you know, and this, this, 
you we you know your teacher superficially, right? So you right. see the front of their face, but you have to see their their backside to really understand who they are. No person is perfect. No person is a god or a deity, right? right? So they're going to be eating fig newtons, you know, at three o'clock in the morning when they're not supposed to be. You right. know, they're going to be eating fried foods when they say not to be, right? Like they're human beings, right? And so human beings are, are flawed, yeah. right? They're fallible. They're, we are both saints and sinners. And so we have to see your teacher as, as a human being, right? So goods and bads, saints and sinners, mistakes. Which leads to acceptance. Right. Because you have to think they're trying, they have taken on the difficult job of changing you. Right. And so the least you can do is remember them on the day of their passing. Once a year. Once a year. That's, yeah. And that's something Sensei used to say. The least you could do in your busy lives is remember second dosho or Sensei on their day. That's the right. least you can do. Right. You know, you should probably do more, but that's the least you can do. Right. And that, you know, trying to remember not to forget the past, because when we forget the past, arrogance comes in. Right. Ego, ego comes in. Right. You think, oh, I became good all on all my by, own. I was about to say all by myself. Yeah. You didn't do anything. You know, uh, there's, but we are all standing on the shoulder of giants, right? Yeah. I was thinking it's that we're standing on the shoulder of giants. But then also one of the great things about uh, Aikido versus, I don't know, some, uh, some sport is that the relationship of Nage and Uke is one where the same concepts live, loyalty, gratitude, acceptance, um, care, not hurting your partner. These things all seem to flow from exactly what you're talking about with the high level you have remembering your teacher, all the feelings and, and emotions that go into that. With that, in our school, luckily, I think the relationships with our teachers is very good. But it, I think it leads directly into the way we practice, too. Well, but did you know that that a lot of those concepts that you're talking about are, are in all martial arts and uh, all yeah. sports? Yeah, I think that sportsmanship, for example, is very important. Yeah. Yeah, there's but a, a lot of times we don't see that in professional sports because there's a lot of ego on display, a lot of money, right? And so the things that we were just talking about, they get pushed. You know, they're not as popular with the media. Yeah, that's the thing is that like there's an unwritten rule that you never end someone's career in sports, right? Right. That's revering your your opponent, you know, and that you're not supposed to be cheating. You're not supposed to be doing these things, and there's all these things that you. That you might not even know, but they are all hum- humanity based, right? Right, and so this, there's this idea in Aikido that it's about humanity. You cannot have humanity with one person, right? I you cannot just community. No, you. Well, you're right. You, in order to gain humanity, another person has to walk in the door, right? right. You can sit in a cave all day long. Oh, I don't steal. I don't, you know, uh, covet my my neighbor's wife. neighbor's wife i don't do all these things and then when another person walks in the door you're like get out of here right you know but like you have to have this other person to walk into this room to create humanity right you need to have an opponent to beat in order to create humanity but the thing is that oh since took it one step further right and that this idea of humanity we're trying to practice it in our martial arts movement and on the you know like it's not superficial right? right it's right. it's not hidden we're talking about it as hey no don't throw that person down that hard right don't do these things there every dojo does will not exist if they don't have people right you got to have people in the dojo right so if you smash every person they're not going to last they're not going to last and if you have a student that smashes every person they should leave right or, or be, be or be changed corrected yeah they or in my case they, you have to be Suffer. You, you have to suffer, and, and the teacher tries to change you. Right. But the teacher tries to change you because they see value and potential in you. Right. But you don't see that. You just see that as, why the hell are you trying to change me? Right. But they're trying to change you because it's for your own good. Right. But it's hard, though. I mean, people, I think that's one of the hard things about doing a traditional martial art. But like we look back and having, for instance, as our teacher, second Doshu as his teacher. Um, this this idea that um, 
yes, being strong is important, like to show that you have skill and you've learned what you're supposed to learn. But this this idea that it seems to be very tied directly to Aikido, which is is uh, consideration for your partner and for your seniors and your juniors. Like all these relationships uh, need to be maintained, uh, and when they're maintained really well, then you you progress at whatever your pace is. But you progress, whereas someone who doesn't have gratitude, loyalty, consideration, empathy, and compassion, it's a harder road. Right, and then those people end up leaving. Right. But that's that thing that about remembering. You must remember your teachers because that's part of your training. Right. It's part of your training to remember Osensei, Second Doshu, whoever your teacher is. Because the power in remembering is that gratefulness and that gratitude. Right? But if you don't, who you, you know, there's been people in your classes, I'm sure, that you're trying to teach them. They don't want to listen. Right. You're like, hello, hello. Hey, don't do that. Hey, don't. They're never going to learn. Right. But they don't learn because they don't honor the teacher. And so they don't respect the teacher because they're not listening. Right. And for whatever reason, you know, they, they don't listen. They have something else going on. They're never going to learn and they're never going to change. You must be receptive to others in order to change. Right. You Connection. can't remember. You can't just sit in your own cave going, yes, I don't do that. Right. You have to listen to other people and you go, oh, when you heard that person cry out, you should probably stop cranking their wrist. <laughs> right? And you go, oh, I, I don't mean know. I laugh, but I know, I know what you mean. Or if you look at the look on, of abject terror on their face as you're cranking on their wrist, you should go, oh, I probably should have do that. do that. Right? Absolutely. Be- because Absolutely. I, it, by doing that, you're, you have, there's a, that's a lack of awareness. Right. By doing that, that's a lack of skill. And that's why you know, having the ability to, to have restraint is such a huge deal in martial arts. I can knock out all your teeth, but I just choose not to. You know, it's interesting when you say that because I, I don't send you these videos that often, but every once in a while I do. But I've noticed that a, a popular meme on like Twitter or YouTube are catching people fighting. Yeah, that's that's like like in the supermarket at the Walmart, or and then all of a sudden there's like it's a melee, and then there's ten people wailing on each other. And what I always think is like. Wow, like, not that I'm better than any of these people, but just thinking, like, what if you hit this person and they fall and they hit their head and they die? Like, whatever that emotion that went into that conflict, like, training helps you deal with those emotions. So you're not wailing on people at the Walmart every weekend. Well, but also, though, that's the thing is you look at it from a a deeper, um, more sophisticated way. You know those the really those videos are really popular because every person wants to watch and think I would do this or I would do that, and right. then you you know it's like watching a train wreck. You go oh gosh, but they don't realize. Like that. even I like I I watch them and I know I probably should not even watch them. Well, if you watch them or not, they're never going to stop. It's of human, course. it's of human course. nature. But the the other person's watching because it's about their own. Uh, mortality and their own, and their own skill. Oh, I would do this or I would right. do that. And you look at this thing, but if you realize it, if you didn't know it and you watched the video, but at the end they told you someone died, would you still watch the video? No. Right? That's the hard part in that, you know, you, you, it's so easy to kill somebody. You yeah, don't really, you, you don't all really. All they have to do is hit their head and they're done. Yeah. Did I ever tell you a story about the guy the barber next to my own barber. No, no. So I used to well, at get, least I don't remember. You tell me again. When I used to have a hairstyle, other than the <laughs> one I have today, um, I used to go to this barber, and the guy next to uh, the barber chair next to his was this huge guy. He was probably like six four, really tall Caucasian guy. And he go, oh, you do martial arts, and then he would bust into these karate um, moves, katas and stuff, and you're just kind of like, hey, I'm just getting my haircut, man, <laughs> and. Just one day he wasn't there when I get, oh, so okay. And then the next time he came, he still wasn't there. And, you know, I used to get my hair cut every two weeks. And I go, I don't remember his name now, but, you know, where was John, where's John at? He goes, oh, I didn't tell you? I was like, no. He's like, oh, man, he died. And I go, what happened? He goes, he was in the, uh, the supermarket and a guy was, a real small, small guy was like slapping around his girlfriend. And so when John intervened, the guy, you know, put up his dukes and dropped him one punch. Wow. So John fell down, hit his head. They, they you know, they went on their own ways, went home, went to sleep and had didn't wake up. Oh, my God. Right. Had a head trauma 
and he was gone. It's interesting that that's the story you told because the thing I was thinking is I, as there's two things I think when I watch those videos. Like one, you never know how it's going to turn out. Once you start violence, you have to assume it could go all the way and end poorly. But the other thing that I thought of, and you just brought it up, is a lot of these videos that you watch, people are just standing around while someone's getting wailed on. Yeah. And you're like, hey, if you all grab that guy, you can stop him. But it's like because there's now it's like when the camera's there, people are like I've seen videos of fights going on and there's four people filming. Yeah. And no one's like, hey, stop. Don't hurt this person. Don't. And, and you're right. Like one one of the dangers of intervening is you yourself could get significantly hurt. But this idea that we don't care about our fellow man and like we want to you know, reenact the train, the, the car crash where everyone's looking at the car crash, people are getting hurt and we're not showing consideration for them. We're, you know, we're not calling the police. We're not calling 911 or in, you know, for trained martial artists intervening and, and helping people. But why don't you fight people in Walmart? <laughs> I mean, I don't think I would have fought someone in Walmart because my parents were like, that's not the way that you behave or treat people. Right. So, I can't fight people in Walmart because my teacher would have gotten upset. Yeah, you'd be in big trouble. And then he would have beat me up or he would have I would have gotten in trouble. Right? right. My teacher is no longer here, but I still don't fight people in Walmart. Right. But that's partially because you remember. Well, I remember, but my teacher taught me better than right. that. Not to do that. And so I want to remember my teacher's teaching and so I don't do that. Right. And then I try to rem- in order to remember my teacher's teaching, I must remember them. Right. Right? And so when your teacher passes away, it's that is the final exam. Right. Because how you respond. How you respond and how you act from that point on is your own business. Right. The teacher's not there to teach you anymore. So if the teacher did their job, you You're will have to check yourself. Yeah, you'll be able to check yourself, you'll be able to remember, you'll be able to do all these things. If the teacher did not do a good job, in five years, two years, or whatever. You're in the you, Walmart. Yeah, you're in the Walmart fighting. And then he goes, oh, yeah, there's Sensei David fighting in Walmart over cheese. I know. It's horrible. Even the thought of it is horrible. But it's become very – I mean, that kind of behavior is now – people like it a lot. And People have always liked it. Yeah. Fight, 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 fight. You right. know, that's it, that, people have been doing that for – Millennia. Yeah. Longer than we could probably remember. But that's this thing, right? Like – we you when you're taught better when you know better you don't do those right. whatever those things are you don't steal you don't lie you don't cheat you know like the other day we talked about in the other podcasts where someone sent me a book uh talking about how the 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 philosophy and ethos of the samurai are all fake right i remember you talking about that and i was like that. yeah man he goes isn't that going to mess you up and i go what you think i think i'm a samurai i don't <laughs> right I'm just a martial arts teacher trying to teach people martial arts to improve their lives. Right. I I'm not trying to make you a killer. I would hope that you could, uh, um, you know, protect yourself. But I'm not making people into killers. Right. Right. That's not my job. My job is to use, teach you how to use Aikido as a vehicle to improve to your life. Yeah. And so when you're out there fighting someone in the street, I did not do my job. Right. And then if you are. I might have done my job, but you have forgotten the way. Right. You've lost the path. Yeah, because when you realize how easy it is to kill someone, you don't want to kill anyone. No. When you realize the tenuous of life, you go, man, you know, how many summers you got left in your life? So if I've only got, you know, 10, 15, 20, 25 summers left, do I really want to be chasing someone down in my car and then busting out their window with the tire iron because they cut me off. Right. It's ridiculous. It just, I mean, it's just very primal, right? And then what if you did that? What if you chase this person down? They cut you off. You're zigzagging through the thing. You they, stop them. They, you, they pull up into the hospital. You smash out the window and you look in there and the wife is having a baby. Right. Wouldn't you feel like a fool? An idiot. You feel like a jerk. And then, you know, the cops are arresting you and then you're on the news, local man, you know, chases pregnant woman, smashes in her window and you're just like, I know, but the person cut me off and, you know, we can't let other people cut us off. And then you think, why would you even do that? Right. But we, but you know, that's the hard part. You're right. I mean, I, I think of like, I mean, I've, I've accidentally shifted lanes and cut someone off and didn't mean to do it. I wasn't trying to be a jerk, but... Some people lose their crap. They're like, ah, and they 
pull in front of you and then they slam the brakes on to try to get you to be cut off. I'm like, really? Like, but I, I understand the feeling because at the moment that you're cut off, you're feeling, you feel wronged and violated. But as you say, like, in order to um, manage that feeling, you have to be trained. Right. And, and to be trained, you have to remember your teacher, yeah, even but, when they're alive. Yeah, but that's the thing. When, how long has your teacher been dead? And then that the whole rest of your life is the final exam. Right. right. You know, how, how quickly will you forget? How quickly will you be fighting people in the Walmart? How quickly will you be doing these bad things? I mean, I, I, I don't know if I told this on an, in another podcast that when Sensei died, about a year later, a bunch of students quit. And one of the students like came to me and he was like, you know, Fru Sensei was preventing me from cheating on my wife. And Oh, yeah, I remember this story. But now that he's gone, there's nothing I, stopping me. And I just can't be here anymore. So I'm out. And you're like, whoa, dude. That's pretty heavy. Yeah, this that person was well into the middle-aged person. Yeah. And you think – but that's that thing, right? Like you're using – you're borrowing Fru Sensei's moxie – so that you won't cheat on your wife or beat up other people in the Walmart. Right. But that's why it's the final exam. And when the teacher leaves, you must be on your own two feet. And because you're on your own two feet, it's your choice. Right. Go ahead and forget, Fru Sensei. Go ahead and forget your teacher. Go, go ahead and forget. But then see what happens to you. It, ne it, oh, it never ends well. So is, is, is this – I mean, I guess I know you've also – you're a Chinese medicine doctor – is, is there a similar structure in, in that discipline uh, of, of remembering your teacher, having specific relationships with teachers? Or yeah, did it, you have too many teachers? No, in, in the Japanese and Chinese sense, yeah. Like yeah. You, but again, Americans, they don't revere those types of things, right? You know, so if a, if a person, they just don't have these structures, right? You, there's, one, there's one way you could probably reduce road rage by 50%. Like, like that. You know what you want to be? No, what? If as a society we came up with a way to say I was – you're sorry. Mm, interesting. You yeah. hit a, this button. And you get a, a light plus the I'm sorry light. Yeah, like this, sorry. Yeah. And they, uh, you know. But the thing is you can't say you're sorry. Right. And the person pulls up to you and you're like, sorry. Yeah, but it's too late. No, but even when you do it, that de-escalates it a little bit. It does. It it's, does. It's when you cut that person off, they go off on you, and then you go off on them. And, and then, then that's an where it starts. Yeah. Right? But like we, we don't have that structure. Just just like we don't really have a structure how to remember. You go, oh, yeah, that Sears has been here since 1901. Ah, tear it down. Right. You know? You don't really care anymore. Because it doesn't pertain to you, because it's all about what you want. Right. And the teacher, the you know, the teacher, free sense. He used to say, "Always pretend as if your teacher is watching." Yeah, I remember that. And then by by doing that, it creates a conscience inside you. And then, yeah, and then you don't act the way you want to act. Right. You know, if you, you gonna, don't act selfishly. Right. You're gonna eat that last donut. You're right. gonna eat that. You're gonna cheat on your taxes. You're gonna cheat on your spouse. You're gonna. You know, steal, steal you know, road rage someone. Just, just act as if your teacher, you know, is in the car. Would you do? Would you be chasing that person out if Sensei was in the car? No. No. Not a for, chance. For one, Sensei would be yelling at you. Right. Screaming at you. For what you did. Driving poorly. Right. You know, and then, but that's the hard part, right? So, you know, the least you can do is remember your teacher on their the day of their, in Japanese, it's their mainichi, their day or their passing. The day of their death, right. You know, and so, you, you, you know, death is a really weird topic in, in I don't know, probably every society. In all society. societies, yeah. I think it's difficult. You know, like, oh, it's all, it, you know, because you think it's the end. Yeah. And maybe it is. Or what if it isn't? Right. Let's just, just as for a thought experiment, we say the end is not the end. You, you, you close your eyes for the last time, you pass through this portal, and there's a party going on. Right. Which, th this is, by the way, is how I learned to accept death. Not that I want to die or anything like that, but I used to have this fear of dying. Yeah. And then I, I spent time meditating on it. And what I met, the, the solution was, I said, what if what we know about death is wrong? And that when you close your eyes, you pass through this door, and everybody you've ever known is, is there. there. And they're having a party, and they're like, hey, you're here. And you go, oh, man, I finally got to the party. As opposed to I'll be alone, you know, all these things, and you, you fear death. But by, by thinking about it in that sense, 
it, it, it brought me to a certain sense of ease. But what, so let's just say we use that, right? You think this is the end. You, you close your eyes and you get there and everybody's waiting. And Sensei goes, what were you thinking? Your 2012 taxes? Really? Lie. Lie. You know, Bill, what were you doing when you crashed into that person's car and then left, Careless. left someone else's business card? What were you thinking? And you're like, uh, uh, you'd be in trouble, right? Yeah. Because you failed the final exam. So if you really think about it in that sense, right? Like, oh, by remembering, I remember my teacher and then, and it forces me to act respectfully. Respectfully. And then when I got through that door, everyone said, You did it. You passed the test. It's interesting. You know, one of the things that I remember being very liberating about Furu Sensei as a Zen, and I'm not, I, I don't, I'm not a Zen student, but I was his student. And I remember he said something to me that I think might have been a Soto Zen analysis of, of morality. And he, he said, I think I read it in the Shobogenzo, but he's like, he said, look, Bill, you should do the right thing because it's the right thing. You should not do the wrong thing because it's the wrong thing. But don't think of a reward or a punishment because then you, you're just really gaming the system rather than doing things because they're correct and not doing things because they're incorrect. So I agree. I mean, what you just laid out is, is, is a liberating way of looking at things. But I remember for me what was liberating was... I didn't have to create a universe full of demons and angels and gods and all these things to tell me what the right thing was or the, or the wrong. I don't have to fear, like, Catholic punishment. I had to, like, you do the right thing. This is what your teacher says. This is the right thing. Don't do the wrong thing. And then don't try to game the system, um, which I, I always found that to be very liberating. I mean, I, I my parents weren't super religious, so I wasn't raised, and, like, I was going to— go to hell, but I do remember uh, when I was young that I, I thought I was going to go to hell. And I don't, my parents didn't teach me that. I don't know where I got it from. But I remember, for instance, they saying to me, Bill, do the right thing. Just do the right thing. Don't do the wrong thing. And, uh, you know, it's it's a vivid memory, enough so that when I'm, like, even stupid little things, like you throw something in the garbage can and it misses, and there's no one looking. You could just be like, ah. And walk away. But like when I throw and miss the garbage can now, I'm like, if he saw me miss the garbage can and I didn't put it in the garbage can, that you'd get screamed at. Well, yeah, but that's your that you've been conditioned to act a certain way. Right. Like in a dojo, there's you don't we do not throw anything. Right. We don't run. We don't throw. Yeah. We yeah. don't carry a sword a certain way. We don't throw things. We don't run. And so, you know, like you you become that becomes your your. The way you live your life, right? Right. So when you when you go someplace, that training just comes out. Right. You go someplace and they say, "Oh, just throw it to me," and you hand it to them. They go, "Why don't you throw it?" You go, well, "I just don't do that." Right. And they go, "Wow, you're so well trained." But who trained you? Your mom, your dad, your and your teachers. Right. You know, and so when you think about this idea of remembering, and this idea of showing gratitude towards your your teacher, your teacher, all these things come about by it by just remembering your teacher. And that's, I think, what's, you know, one of the great things about, um, for instance, the Memorial Seminar is we get to do Aikido as a form of remembrance. Like we, three days, extra classes, more work than you normally would do. You suffer a little bit to show respect. I don't know if it's suffering. Maybe I would it's not love suffering, but be... you, you, maybe suffering is not the right word. Um, sacrifice. Sacrifice. Um, or you just, you use the energy of your body as currency for remembrance. Like, you know, you go and, like, I think of, like, you know, in the typical Aikido class, maybe you get up and get, you fall down and get up maybe a hundred times, maybe a little bit less, maybe a little bit more, but it's a lot. And, like, that that energy that you're expending is part of your sincerity as a student. This idea of remembering is what Sensei called spiritual capital. Right. It's ephemeral. You have to feed into it. Keep using it. And you and you can draw from it, but it it expires. Right. Right? It goes bad. And so you have to constantly be putting in the spiritual capital. And like by remembering, you put you're putting spiritual capital in the bank. And then you can take it out if you need it. Yeah. It just it just expires after ninety days or a year or something like that. But like that that's the power of remembering. And that's why we remember remember our teachers 
and their sacrifices. What do you think is the hardest part about remembering? What is the? Is it just doing it itself? Is just? Is it just showing up? Uh, what do you think is the, what? Why people let things slide? That I don't know if it's that, but the hardest part for me is that every year you wonder how many people are going to forget. Right. How many people are not going to show up? How many people are? How many of the new students who don't know free saints are just not going to come? Right. They're going to see how it costs a hundred bucks and go forget that. Right. I don't, I'm not coming to that seminar. We have to drive, you know, 30, 30 minutes from here and go do all this stuff. I don't, I'm not going to do that. Right. And then I go, oh, but that's, and that's just my own thing. Cause again, every year, less and less people remember. Like I said, like there were a bunch of people that did free century memorial services, but today, 16 years later, it's just us in the Salamanca dojo, nobody yeah. else. And you know, like, I go, whoa, I wonder if Santiago Sensei is going to stop doing it. But then you hope that he is as loyal as I am. Right. And he'll right? keep doing it. And he'll keep doing it and doing it, doing it. Because the power comes when you can, you're can. you doing it even though you can't. Right. And then that sacrifice creates spiritual capital. You When you're, you're going to get up off the ground during the seminar, but your back hurts, but you do it anyways. Right. That's, that's remembrance. That's spiritual capital. That is remembrance, but that is spiritual capital. Right, all those things that power of remembering creates spiritual capital, and that's why we have to remember our teachers because those who forget the past are doomed to repeat it. So this idea, and maybe this is a good idea to end on this idea of spiritual capital because it's not something you can touch. I mean, it's real, but it's but it's as you say, it's ephemeral. You have to keep feeding it. Um, how you tend to is like a garden. The more you tend to it and take care of it, the more it blossoms and blooms. But it is an intangible. Right. Yeah. And so I don't know how to really kind of explain it, but that we should always remember our teachers. Yeah. You know, and that there's there's a power in remembering them. Not just, rem- not just going, huh, in your mind. That's the right. least you can do. But the act of remembering gives you power. And I'm not really, I really don't know how to explain it more than that. Yeah. Thank you for watching. And don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm.